الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل على سيدنا ونبينا ومولانا محمد وبارك هذا وإن للطاغين لشر مآب. Juxtaposing the people of Jannah and the pious people with those who will not be in Jannah. Allah subhanahu now addresses us and says, هذا. This is the affair. So you stop at هذا. هذا. This is the matter. This is the story. And indeed for those who are <coughs> transgressors, there is an evil resort and abode waiting for them. Taqeen, those who rebel and those who rebel out of arrogance. Taqeen, meaning against the command of Allah, against the will of Allah, and against the rule of divine law. They do not wish to apply it, but more than that, they do it out of anger, and they do it out of rebellion, and they do it out of arrogance. So because of those evil traits, <coughs> the place where they will be going to is very evil. It is bad, the shar, meaning that the consequences there will not be one of delight and pleasure. What is that place? Allah says, Jahannam. That evil place is Jahannam. Meaning, Jahannam exists as we speak. It is created by Allah. And it is definitely real. Some people will end up there. And when they end up there, Yaslawnaha. Uh, it will burn them. It will burn them. For bits al mihad, so evil is the place that they are going to use as a cradle. Mihad is a cradle, the most evil of cradles, place of rest, which is <coughs> mentioned figuratively in the sense that they won't be able to rest. A baby usually rests and sleeps in a cradle, but they won't be able to do so in that cradle. So that's why it's very evil. So this is the, the plight of those people who uh, do not see uh, Allah's commands as being acceptable or applicable uh, in their lives. It is because of their arrogance and their rebellion that they will be punished. Hada. Again, Allah says, Hada. Understand this, take heed of this, appreciate this, and so on. فَلْيَذُوقُوهُ حَمِيمٌ غَسَّاقٌ Then let them taste this with very hot fluid, حَمِيم, غَسَّاقٌ And something that is very, very distasteful. And it comes out from the bodies of people in Jahannam. غَسَّاقٌ This is a description of what is going to be given to them as they are 
now uh, sustaining themselves uh, through these forms of uh, food and drink. People in Jahannam will survive and they will live there. But the means by which they survive and live will be very painful. People in Jannah not only survive, they uh, live in bliss. Okay? They <coughs> exist in an environment that is very pleasant. People of Jahannam will exist in an environment that is very unpleasant. So, so the food and drink in Jannah is not to be compared with the food and drink in Jahannam. But they will eat and they will drink all the uh, despicable types of food as nourishment for them in Jahannam. So now the idea is that they will be able to sustain this level of punishment because of the food and drink that the angels give them. So that is a reality. You must appreciate that if someone says, how can they survive this level of torment and punishment? Allah will make them survive this level of torment and punishment by giving them this type of food and this type of drink. This is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is addressing those who are arrogant and those who rebel against the idea that there is a God and the God wants us to do things this way. And then there will be others whose forms will be similar, um, will be other kinds, the shakal and the form will be similar in being that it will be like couples, azwaj, different forms and different types of punishment will be met and levied against these people so that their punishment is also changing all the time. Just as the people of Jannah will taste a different taste with their fruits every time they eat it, likewise the people of Jahannam will be given a different taste of punishment every time they are punished. This is the meaning of the word azwaj, uh, different types, yeah. variants, uh, ver variable forms of punishment. هذا فوج مقتحم معكم. This is an army مقتحم معكم in rushing and rushing on to you, and it is with you, معكم with you. لا مرحبا بهم. There is no welcome there for them. لا مرحبا بهم. There is no welcome for these people, but they will be there in the forms of groups and columns. Platoons also, they'll be organized according to their sins. So different types of sins will yield different types of punishments and so on. So each type of sin will be met with this very specific type of punishment. And that's what is implied from the word foge. That they are arranged like an army is arranged into columns and platoons and so on. But there is no welcome committee there. Nobody will say, you're welcome here. Uh, they will destroy them. Uh, 
by not welcoming them and so on. Innahum salun nar. Indeed, they will burn in the fire. Indeed, they will burn in the fire. This is how Allah Subhanahu is warning people as a dhikr. This surah is surah the sad, which is about dhikr and reminder. Allah is reminding people that there are two places you can end up in. One of two. One is called Jannah and the other is called Jahannam. If you abide by the rules of good behavior, then you'll end up in Jannah. And if you don't abide by those rules, you'll end up in the other place. It is up to you. You may choose this way or you may not choose this way. Each choice will have its consequences. The test Allah is administering upon you in this world is this uh, freedom of choice. You may choose this way or you may choose this way. But whatever choice you make, uh, the result will be dependent on the consequences of that choice. So this is a reminder. <coughs> Allah is reminding human beings uh, of their eventual fate. Jannah should be the natural choice because that's where we came from. Our original residence is Jannah. So our original inclination should be towards good, not towards evil. Okay. Then the society and the pollutants in the society uh, distort people's minds and behaviors and that's why they end up choosing the evil way and the bad way. But that has its consequences also. So these are natural consequences for the choices that people make. It's a very logical argument in that sense. Allah has created both places so that human beings may earn or re-earn Jannah. So this is how you earn. And no human being will say that they should not earn, right? Especially in this country. There's no free lunch. So everybody wants you to work and there's no welfare system. <laughs> right? So America is built for making people feel the need to earn. So Allah is saying, then earn, earn Jannah. Through your kasb, this is how you define good behavior and good ethics and morals and iman and Islam and taqwa and all of that. And this is one way you are going to earn uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's fadl and his rahmah and his forgiveness. So this is a reminder. Allah is using these ayat to remind human beings that this is for you. This is in your best interest. Allah has no need to give you reward and he has no need to punish you. He is above that. He doesn't need you, period. He doesn't need you to worship him either. He will always remain who he is. This is for you. Right? So there's no vested interest from the divine in telling us all of this. All of this which he is reminding of, us of is out of his jude and karam, out of his sakha, out of his generosity and out of his genuine concern for human beings, although he doesn't need to. If everybody in the earth decides to disobey him, he will still be God. And if everybody in the earth decides to worship him, 
he will still be God. Nothing will change there. Right? So he is beyond reproach and he is beyond blame. The reason why he chooses to address us is for us. That's where the dhikr is. It's not for him. Yeah, those who fight with God, they do that. They fight with God. <laughs> and we say, it doesn't matter, you can fight for a millennium with God. It's not going to change because you're fighting with him. <laughs> Does he change? He doesn't change. No. Meaning there's no way you're going to influence God except your actions will earn you a good ranking or a bad ranking. It's your actions that tells Allah that you should be here or you should be there. Yeah. He has absolutely no vested interest. That. Is his kingdom going to be more if people worship him? No. And is his kingdom going to be reduced if, don't, if they don't worship him? No. Because he is eternal. He's not confined to time and space. and He's not confined to the actions of human beings to their thoughts and their ideas and to their theories, etc. This is all in the human arena. In the human arena, you're going to have these human issues where human beings debate and argue and they reject and they rebel and all of that. Allah has nothing to do with that. He is just giving you a platform from which you may earn and re-enter Jannah, which is where you originally came from. Yes. قَالُوا بَلْ أَنْتُمْ لَا مَرْحَبًا بِكُمْ Then they who are their followers will say to these people who led them to this evil place, Jahannam, that this will be a dialogue. That no, we don't welcome you either. لَا مَرْحَبًا بِكُمْ There's no welcoming for you. أَنْتُمْ قَدَّمْتُمُوهُ لَنَا You are the ones who have now presented us or preceded us in this and evil is the place of residence for you. So they will start blaming each other and they will start condemning each other. So in Jahannam, people will blame each other. They will not be able to blame God because God is in total command and charge. You can fight God here as much as you want. You can complain about him, reject him, and deny his existence, and deny Islam, or deny Sharia. You can do all that here, because this world is about that. But you can't do that there. You're in Jahannam because you don't believe in God. So there, if you say, I don't believe in you, you say, okay, well, taste this. See how much you believe or disbelieve. Right? Yeah. So that is now a reminder. The Quran is reminding people that they must concede to the reality who is Allah. Allah is the ultimate reality. Once you concede that he is the ultimate reality, then everything flows from there. And that concession brings about a certain peace, tranquility, a certain love and respect and honor and dignity, which rejection doesn't give you. The positive thinking that the submission to Allah's will engenders is nowhere near the confusion and the anger that rejection engenders. When you reject God, you're always miserable. Why? Because you're always fighting God. Right. You're always fighting, 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 fighting. Fighting means what? 
you are miserable. And when you are at peace with God, what does that mean? You are at peace. You are no longer fighting. If you are not fighting, then you are at peace. So people must realize that although you have the choice to fight and to rebel and to choose and not to choose and so on, but it's much more healthier to submit than to reject, psychologically also. Yeah. This is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds us that the Quran is the ultimate revelation and it reveals it reveals Iman and it reveals Kufr. It reveals both. It is indiscriminate in its ability to reveal. So it reveals the truth and it also reveals the falsehood. It reveals the believer and it exposes the non-believer. It's a revelation. That's what revelation does. It reveals. It exposes everything. So when human beings read the Quran, they will look into their own mirrors and then they will see, okay, this is who I am. I'm a believer, I'm a rejecter. And they'll go with that. Then they'll make the choice as a believer or as someone who denies or rejects. And that is how they choose their path. One path is going to be filled with uh, acquiescing and resolve and determination and forward thinking and positive thinking and peace and tranquility. The other path is going to be rigged with frustration and anger. Right. Frustration and anger is now the nasib of the rejecter. That's what he receives in life because he's rejecting. So there's no peace there. You're always in this mode of fighting, always confronting, confrontation. قَالُوا رَبَّنَا مَنْ قَدَّمَ لَنَا هَذَا فَزِدْهُ عَذَابًا ضِعْفًا فِي النَّارِ In Jahannam, the people who followed will say that, Ya, O our Lord, they will acknowledge there that Allah is their Lord and they will address him, Rabbana, our Lord, whoever now brought this forward to us, then increase him in punishment. Much more, ضِعْفًا manifold yeah, in the fire. So they will now make shafa'ah. They will intercede in Jahannam to Allah. Allah, punish these people more than you're punishing us because they're the reason why we're here. So this is how this dialogue will occur in Jahannam. Inshallah. Then another dialogue which will occur where the people of Jahannam will be able to speak to each other and they will see each other and they will have a dialogue and conversation with each other uh, on several occasions. This is one of those occasions. They will say that what is with us that we don't see men. Hmm. Yeah. That we would count them as being evil meaning that we ridiculed people who believed in religion, who believed in God, who practiced religion and practiced the laws of God. We thought that they were evil. Is it that that we mocked them and we ridiculed them? We made them into a mockery? Is it that? An object of scorn? 
Nor is that our eyes are now turned away, away from them. Yeah. So they will say, where are those people? Whom we used to condemn and blame in the world, that these are the people uh, who are misleading us and then not allowing us to believe or to rationalize or to think or to deduce and uh, induce and to intuit and all of that. They will ask all of these uh, people, where are they? They won't see them because they're in the other place, yeah, the good place. Indeed, this is all the haq, the truth. The khasumu ahlin nar. The people who are in the people, the people of fire. Uh, this will be a debate that they will have. Their debate is on this. So they will have the ability to debate. Their faculties will be intact. Uh, they will meet each other. They will see each other. They will blame each other. They will condemn each other. And they will even ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to treat others with uh, even the worst treatment when they are met and given. This is the nature of life of the people of the fire. The people of the fire, they live in fire in this world. So it's just another dimension of their own fire. Kufr has its own fire, as I just mentioned. Rejection is something that disturbs you, uh, frustrates you, angers you. And when you live in that confrontation, then you're going towards your destiny. And the destiny is fire. Yeah. So even there, they will not cease to blame each other and be argumentative. Yeah. They'll continue to argue in Jahannam the way they argued in this world. Uh, it's just a continuum for them. Yeah. Anyway, this Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, now the point of all of this is a reminder Right. The Allah is reminding people that they must establish uh, their lives in this world so that they may receive a better life in the other world. قُلْ إِنَّمَا أَنَا مُنْذِرٌ وَمَا مِنْ إِلَاهٍ إِلَّا اللَّهُ الْوَاحِدُ الْقَهَّارُ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is addressing the Prophet وسلم, and saying, You must announce, O Prophet Muhammad, to people that indeed you are nothing except a warner. Indeed, I am only a warner. I came to warn people. I'm not going to uh, distribute the punishment myself. I'm not going to be the one giving you the punishment. I'm warning you that Allah may punish you. So I'm here only to help you avoid eternal damnation. I'm not here punish you myself. That's my job. My job is now filled with compassion for you. My warning you is only because I don't want you to get hurt. It's out of affection, not out of anger. Right? Except that when someone is now about to throw himself into a pit, uh, then you're going to have to use some force to pull him back. You can't be gentle about it. Someone's about to fall. So what are you going to do? Politely uh, kind of stroke him on the back and say, Baba, don't go there. Or are you going to yank him out? What are you going to do? <laughs> so the words of indar, of warning, are strict. 
and severe. That's just the tool of warning. You can't use soft words when you're warning people. God forbid there's a fire here somewhere. So you're not going to send a text to people. Hey, by the way, there's a fire here. You're going to shout. Right? Likewise, if there's a fire of Jahannam, what are you going to do? You're going to tell people, there's a fire here. You're going to shout fire. So the words you use to warn people must match the warning. That's why the words of indar and warning are strict in the Quran and Hadith. It's a tool for warning. Where the words for Bashara eh, are soft. Because that matches the Bashara, that matches the glad tidings. So you use soft words when you're going to congratulate somebody. And so you're not going to shout at a person who has just been given an award. Right? You're not going to condemn him. Yeah. But someone who's about to fall into a ditch, uh, you're going to shout. Make sure that he doesn't fall into the ditch. And sometimes you may be forced to yank him from the back and then pull him away from the fire and from the ditch. That's why the mode of expression for indar mm, is different from the mode of expression for bashara. One is for warning, where you have to be very, very uh, strong in your language, and the word for giving glad tidings, you have to be soft and accommodating. That's how you get the different wordings, verbiage, and terminology. Not because the Prophet he is ruthless and he wants everybody to go to Jahannam. No, it's exactly the opposite. He doesn't want anyone to go to Jahannam. That is why on the Day of Judgment, he will have intercession. Right? When you believe in intercession, you know that no Nabi wants any of his believers and followers to go into Jahannam. That's why they're there in front of Allah pleading their case. Right? So this shows that no one who is entrusted by Allah to deliver a warning wants people to fall into the place they're warning against. Their role is to deliver them from the place they're warning against, not to push them further into it. So that is extreme compassion, love, dedication, resolve, commitment, and willpower. Now, they do this knowing that the person they're warning is going to reject them. They know this. But they still do it. That is the height of their sincerity and selflessness. Right. So when Allah says, Qul, innama ana mundirun. Right. Let's say, I am only a warner, then the Prophet is taking the responsibility of making sure that the words he used to warn them is strong and effective and that he does nothing to push them further into Jahannam. And he brings them back. And you can't bring people back from trouble through a soft method. It has to be a strong, strict method, as I just mentioned. Right? This is the understanding of the word mundir. So mundir is against Bashir. 
So you have the Prophet as a Nadir, a warner, and you have the Prophet as a Bashir, someone who gives glad tidings. They both come hand in hand, but the language and the methods used for warning is different from the language and the methods used for giving glad tidings. That's just how human beings uh, use their language and their terminologies and so on. ilahin, And there is no God, absolutely no God. There is no ilah, no deity, illallah, except Allah. So Allah is the only God. Allah is the only one worthy of worship. Yeah? Allah is the only one to whom we should commit our lives uh, because He is Al-Wahid. He is alone. He is one. He is unique. He is single. Yeah? He is absolute. Yeah? Because He is absolute and unique and one and single, He is the only deity because there can be no two. Yeah? And there can be no three. And so on. Al-Qahar the overwhelming, the overpowering. He overwhelms and he overpowers everything else that he creates. There's nothing that can stand in front of him except that in this world he doesn't serve punishment until the time is ripe, until the term is now uh, to the end. A human being's life is to its term. When the term finishes, then that is when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be overwhelming in his decision to send a person this way or a person the other way. That is Al-Qahar, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is the Almighty, the All-Powerful, because he is alone. There's no one there to deny his uh, power on the Day of Judgment. So he's the only one worthy of worship, and the one who is worthy of worship has to be alone and single, and he has to be overwhelming and domineering. But that domination will become apparent on the day of judgment, not here. So in this world he allows atheists and Hindus and Buddhists and Jews and Christians and Muslims to coexist and live a life that they want to live, etc. But in the other world people will be separated based on Iman and Kufr. That's the distinction you must make. Allah will overwhelm the believers over the non-believers. So there, it's up to you, the choice you make. The choice you make is not social, is not cultural, is not political. وَمَا مِنْ إِلَٰهٍ إِلَّا اللَّهِ is a theological statement. The choice you make must be theological, meaning it has to do with the divine, not with your politics, social justice, or whatever you want to say is secular, right? Theology is non-secular. If you make theology secular, then you get what you got in the early days of Islam after the Khulafa, the Kharijis, and the Mu'tazilis, and everybody else who came afterwards, right? So we separate this. We say that the theological uh, discussion is that Allah is one alone, now that is a-contextual, and that is a-political. It does not seep down into politics and society. That is an absolute value. That's not a variable, it's a constant. You can't bring that down to earth and say, well, some people say God is two, or some people say God. 
that does not change the reality. That might be what people assume and think, and Allah allows them to think and assume because he gave everybody a mind. Now, since Allah has given you a mind, doesn't mean to say you may conclude something that goes against reality. You must conclude that coincides with reality and does not go against reality. That is the meaning of the word Al-Qahar. Allah is domineering in the sense that on the Day of Judgment, He will show everybody He is in charge and no one else is in charge. This is we have how the Prophet is warning people that I'm a warner. I'm warning you that you must assume and understand correctly that Allah is one, Al-Wahid. And you must assume and understand and believe that there's no one else worthy of worship except Allah. And then you must realize that He is overwhelming and domineering. But His dominance will be manifest on the Day of Judgment. It may not manifest itself here because this playing field gives you equal opportunity to accept or reject. Allah is non-discriminate in this world. You may accept and you may reject. In the other world, you'll be forced to accept and you have no choice left because you've made your choice in this world. So your choice that you make here carries over into the other world. This is where you sow the seeds and that's where you reap the fruits. So if you sow the seeds of Iman here, you'll see the fruits of Iman there. If you sow the seeds of Kufr here, you'll reap the fruits of Kufr there. In that sense, he's Al-Qahar. That he won't change the system. You can't expect to have mangoes, right? If you plant a what is poison ivy. Can you? You're planting poison ivy and you say, I want a mango from this. Allah, you're able to do anything. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> it's cause and effect. If you plant poison ivy in your mind, in your heart, and you say, I don't believe, then you cannot expect mangoes on the other side. You can expect poison ivy. And if you plant mangoes here, you can expect mangoes there. So if you plant the fruits, the seeds of Iman here, you'll receive the fruits of Iman there, and the fruits of Iman there in Jannah, and the fruits of poison ivy and kufr there in Jahannam. This is a very logical explanation the Quran gives. In this sense, he's overwhelming qahar, that he will continue with this cause and effect in this system where there's a cause and there's an effect. So the cause is in this world and the effect is in the other world. So the Prophet is warning people that he won't change that system. Right? He won't change that system. He will continue and maintain the system that there is going to be equal retribution at the very least. Now, the only difference is, is that in the other world, through his grace and mercy and his power to forgive, he will forgive those who are eligible for forgiveness and he will pardon those who are eligible for pardoning. He will not forgive those who reject him. 
How can you expect him to forgive those who reject him? You already reject me, so why am I forgiving you? I can forgive somebody who accepts that I exist and who accepts that they made mistakes and they made toba or they had some kind of uh, compunction, remorse in their lives and they showed that there is a desire to repent. I can forgive them. But if you showed absolutely no desire to repent or to accept or to believe, then you should not expect anything from the divine also. That's another application of the word al-qahar, the overwhelming, the domineering. And this is how the Prophet ﷺ is being instructed to warn people. And as I said, when you warn people, the language you use has to be overwhelming, dominant. A certain amount of qahar must be there. Some certain amount of dominance must be there in the language so that people listen. As I said, if you shout fire, people will hear and they'll take heed. But if you may mumble very softly, fire, no one's going to listen, no one's going to hear, and everybody will burn. Allah save us all, protect us all, and allow us to, uh, inshallah, reap from his fadl in this world but also in the world hereafter. We will stop here the next passage of a different discussion. Jazakallah khair. Subhanallah alhamdulillah wa subhanakallah alhamdulillah. Nashadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayka.